Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast. This episode is Helpline with Mothercraft nurse extraordinaire, Chris Minogue. If she can't help you, nobody can. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Helpline with Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue. Chris is here to answer all of your questions, anything from uh, settling your baby to breastfeeding to toddler behavior. She's here um, to answer the questions. I don't know why that was so hard to say, but if you're watching us live via Facebook, you can pop your questions below or you can give us a call on 1-800-543-772 or you can send your emails through to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and we'll answer your questions next week. But this week we are going to start with a phone call from Fiona who has a 14-month-old who's starting daycare. Hi Fiona, how are you? Hello Chris, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Excellent. Thank you so much for your advice. It's been great. So my quick, I say quick, I've got a couple of kind of questions interrelate. So my little one's transitioning to one sleep, which is great. So we're at home for the few days, just, you know, staying at home. Great. After those few days, is he cool to go in the pram and stuff? And what if he falls asleep? Like what if he kind of dozes off? and So that next next week after he's transitioned, if you have him in the pram close to the time of when he's going down, say 11.30, he will start to doze off. Okay. And then it's about the baby. Some will transfer really easily. Yeah, Others, they have 10 minutes and then you almost have to wait three more hours. So I think you'd be safe to go out in the early morning, like the eights yeah. and the nines and tens. Okay. But I think you need to be careful if you pop him in the pram or the car in around the 11 o'clock window just for the first couple of weeks. Because yeah, I okay, think cool. if he had 10 minutes in the car, yeah, I think enough. you'd be back to two sleeps in the day. Yeah, okay, know, right. that's through. perfect. Yeah. Now, my other, that was the, my little side question, but the other one is he's starting daycare and you know, first time mum, yep. stressing out. Yep. Um, and he's only going one day a week, so on a Friday. Yep. And um, I'm just wondering what the train, how I can make it a little bit easier for him. He's a pretty happy girl, like a kid. Okay. But I've noticed that they don't have cots. They have like mats that he, they sleep on. And I'm like, but my little one's never slept on a mat So he's he not going into the tod- nursery room? No, he's fourteen months, so they're they're popping him into the next room, and oh. and a lot yeah, and a lot of them don't have cots. They've got like so what age mats. group is that? Um, what age group is that? So that's from one or eight yeah, something like that. And I'm just so like, they've got more rooms because normally they go to like eighteen months or so, and so yeah. they stay in their cot. I just mm. asked them to take him into the nursery and put him back in the cot. In a cot? Because yeah, I think okay. he'd get up and walk around. Well, that's what I reckon. He would definitely do that because he's got As no As opposed idea. to 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> he'd think it was like fun time. Yeah, cool. I know. And I, they said to me, oh, you know, we stay with them and we pat them. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I don't want, want that. To be- that's exactly what I was going to say. He's is- really good at self-settling himself at yeah. home. And I'm not going to be patting him at night Yeah, time. I totally <laughs> agree with you. So I was okay. going to say to you, the only way they could get a 14-month-old to stay still long enough is they would be sitting beside him and patting him mm, and mm-hmm. maybe developing a pattern, even though it's only once yeah. a day, once a week. Once a week, yeah. But not only that, I think, you know, he's taking a big chance. He's off to daycare. There's lots going on. Mm-hmm. I think he needs the security of his bars to tell him, oh, okay, this is normal. This is what yeah. I do to go to sleep. So, look, I would have a chat to them and see if he could go back into a cot for a little while. Yep. But I would make it clear that you, if you don't pat, I think you have to make it clear not to pat him. 
And yep. I think it's a, probably a choice they've made, but normally a 14-month-old would still be in a nursery because there's a big difference between a 14-month-old and a two-year-old. Huge yeah, difference. Huge just difference in really the age group. Yeah, and I've called like like a couple of child like daycares. Yeah, and they all say the same thing, and I'm like, oh, no, why? no, they don't. A lot of the daycares that I've been to, fourteen month olds are in cots in, in the nursery cots. room. Yeah, they're okay, not. So they're not on a mat. I want him in a cot at yeah. I want him in a bed in a cot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a non-negotiable. Well, you know, and they, I mean, a, a lot of thing. a lot of um, daycare centres, Fiona, yeah. will their philosophy is to work with the parents in the community. So don't feel okay. shy about telling them what you want. Okay. And, and even if you feel you have to explain, look, I've got him yeah. in this amazing routine. I don't yeah. pat him to sleep. He's more yeah. secure in a cot. They're going to want to do what's yeah. right for him and what's easier okay. for you as a family too. So don't be shy about talking yeah, okay. to them about I will, it. I will, yeah, I will totally agree. Them. I yeah, I, okay. I think you know they they generally say we'll follow your rules so yeah follow away okay. yeah well I'll I'll, um, I'll try that and um cross and your fingers see. and your toes yeah and <laughs> see how I go in in terms of adjusting for the one day I'm guessing I'm hoping it's not going to be too no, bad for him, right it, one day the hard thing about one day is that yeah. there's so okay. much time between the experiences. But yes. I think if you had do you have a few lead up weeks before you might have to go back to work? Are you going back to work well, on I that can, one day? Yeah, I'm already back at work, so he's been in care with mum for the last oh, okay. few years. So, but I can, you know, if the, if you have an idea of what I need I to think do, I think maybe the very first day he goes is not maybe to go for a whole long day. Yep. Um, okay. And maybe drop him off at the time you would like to drop him off going mm-hmm. to work. But maybe if your mum could pick him up at lunchtime to put him, bring him home and put him into bed, and yep. that'll just okay. give him a bit of a breather. And then maybe yep. the next week he has a slightly shorter day. So drop off at the normal time, but yep. maybe pick him up at three, and then okay, the third so like week he goes nap, for yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Just so he okay. has a little bit of, okay, yeah, this isn't too bad, because right? he yep. hasn't got those competitive, uh, repetitive days to get used yep. to what goes on in a daycare. Okay. Right. Okay. And, well, that won't muck up his routine at night no. or anything like that. Okay. Good. No. He'll be all good. I'm, I have been. You've done such a good job. It I won't have, fall apart. And I don't want it to fall apart. <laughs> no, it won't. It won't fall apart. <laughs> thank you so much. You Absolute are pleasure. I look forward to your show every week. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Well, good luck with daycare. Yes, thank you. And I'll let you know how I go. Brilliant. Thanks, Fiona. Great. Thanks, ladies. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. If you would like to call and speak to Chris like Fiona just did, the number is one eight hundred five four three double seven two. You do need to call when we're going live to air. So if you're listening to this via our podcast, we go live to air every Friday at eleven thirty Australian Daylight Savings Time. I got it right. I never get that Australian Daylight Savings Time thing right. It's very confusing for me. I'm not very smart. Um, And our next question (laughs) comes from Nikki, who has a daughter. She's asking questions about. She's sure. three years and nine months old. A lot right. of detail here. Thank you yep. for that, Nikki. It always helps. Um, her daughter was doing really well with toilet training when she began about 12 months ago. Yep. Then possibly due to some lifestyle changes, some traveling, beginning kinder, things regressed. She got a little constipated, had quite a lot of accidents at home and went out, mm-hmm. both with pee and poo. So at three years of age, I put her back in nappies because she was worried. I was worried she was holding on and getting constipated. Everything was fine in nappies. But then at three and a half years, she took off the nappy, um, Uh kept her for sleeping. Oh, okay. And she was keen to use the potty and toilet again, but very quickly didn't poo as much. Okay. 
When she does a poo, she often does a tiny poo in her pants, and this can happen several times a day, both at home and out. She's continued to hold on like this. I'm stuck. What to do? She'll be four soon, and going back to nappies seems too babyish. She's aware it's a problem, and I know she really wants it to work. Every now and then, if she's eaten a lot of high-fiber food, I sit her on the potty, and she does a big poo, but there is no pattern to it. She'll be at kinder two days a week this year, and they prefer the kids to be toilet trained. Okay, so I'm assuming by the end of this email that we've got her wheeze under control now as this is last final bit. And sometimes it takes children up to six months for that to connect with them. But I think you're doing the right thing. And and because you've got a little bit of traction with her sitting on the potty, I think if we did that regularly for her, she'd get into a regular pattern of opening, you know, her bowels and doing a poo for you. And that's what I would suggest is often at this age, we give them something so that she doesn't get constipated. So something something gentle on her system like Coloxal Drops or Osmolax or something like that that you could speak to your chemist about and get a referral for her age about what might be good for her. And then literally um, twice a day, literally for five minutes, she sit down, she's on her potty, you read her a story and what happens, happens. And I think it's it's distracting her out of what, of thinking about what is happening so that it starts to come naturally and then it just becomes learned. So I think if you did it in the morning um, for five minutes and then maybe in the evening for five minutes, you'll find her pattern of when she does a poo and then it'll become more and more regular. But she might need a little stool softener to help her do that so she disassociates what could have been a difficult thing before. But I think you're nearly there. Good luck, Nikki. And let us know how it goes. If you have any other questions, yeah. you can come back to us. We'll be back with more Helpline and Chris Minogue right after this. The Parent Panel is now 100% podcast, so you can listen to your favourite parents and laugh along anytime, anywhere. My two daughters have looked at me and said, there are sharks everywhere. I went, oh, they're reef sharks, darlings. They're vegans. <laughs> I am guilty of handing over a iPad and saying, hey, watch this. Holy moly, it is so hard. Search for The Parent Panel on Apple, Google, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This question is from Kalinda. My 30-month-old daughter sometimes taps slash slash hits Hits. her baby cousin quite firmly on the head. When I go over and say we don't hit other people and remove her hand or her from her cousin, she will start, she will crawl back over, look at me and do it again. Just the other morning, this happened at least five to six times. Right. I know she's doing it to see my reaction, get my attention, but how do I respond in a way to get her to stop doing it? Do I use the words no firmly? Do I put her in time out? Do I ignore it completely but remove her from his space? How do I respond? Okay. So we remove him. So you're actually doing the right thing. She goes up, she's curious about a baby, and she knows he gets a reaction. She taps him on the head, which is good because that's the hardest part of his body, and then she gets some sort of reaction from you. So I can understand going up to her, a gentle no, we don't hit, we use gentle hands, showing her gentle hands on a baby. That's the learning experience. But now I think she's crossed over. She, she knows it gets a reaction and she's confused about the game. So I think if you did that once and then the second time you, she did it, 
I would go over, I'd pick the baby up, I'd give the baby some attention and I'd just walk away from her a little bit and then give that a good five minutes and then try and bring the baby back and put the baby back where, it, you know, in the bounce or on the flat, on the floor. She's a bit young for reasoning. She's only yeah, 14 months, hard, 13 months. So I think she's doing the reactive thing that they like doing at that age and she's just not sure. It's getting a great reaction, but she doesn't, I don't think she realises that it's the wrong reaction. So I think a gentle no, we don't hit, gentle hands, show a gentle hands. If there's then another incident of it, pick him up, give him the attention, calm him down, give it five minutes, put him back. And then the last one, if it, it's sort of intensified like five or six times in a day, is quite intense. Um, then I just do a few days where she cannot get him. So a porticot using as a playpen and popping him in there and only bringing him back out onto the floor when she's, you know, maybe asleep might just help her to forget how to do that. Mm. So she sort of forgets that that's going to get a reaction from, from, from you. So in amongst what you're doing is right, but I think you could fine tune it a little bit because she doesn't understand the language. She, if you sit down and have a big conversation about gentle hands and it's going to hurt the baby and blah, 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 she's like, lolly. Like she, she doesn't make that connection. So she needs you to do that for her. Yeah. Okay. This question comes from Tony uh, who has a four and three month. Four years and three months. months. Overnight toilet training. She's still wetting the bed. If we don't pick her up later in the night to sleep, uh, sleep take her to the toilet. toilet. She's still weeing overnight in the bed, even though we've done it for almost three months now. We've been back and forwards for nappies in and out, but still don't know if we should keep going if she is waking up still. This is a bit of a tough one. So obviously she's doing really well in the day. Mm. Um it depends on how much stress it's causing. If it was causing her no stress, then I would pick her up before I go to bed, take her to the toilet, get her to do a wee, and then put her back into bed. And if she's going dry from that point on, I would think that in time it'll just get easier and easier. And in time for every child could be very different. So, you know, that they say that boys take much longer to do it. They could take anywhere up to 11 to do it. Girls, she might take anywhere up to five or six to do it. If that was working, I know it's painful as the parent to take her to the toilet, but I would do it because the more dry night she has in her bed, the more praise and the more she feels really good about it. Mm. If you were taking her to the toilet and she was still wetting overnight, I think we need to take a different approach because I think that can become very stressful for a child that they keep wetting the bed and it becomes very painful to the, the parents who have to change the linen. So in that case, um, if that was the 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 way that it's planning out, playing out, is the first thing I'd look at is the way she in, takes in fluid in the day, and children these days drink big bottles of water, and that can really influence the way they handle night wetting. So is she using, you know, what do they call it, like a drink bottle to get water, or is she drinking with a cup? Because it's more regulated if she drinks with a cup, she can overfill drinking straight out of a water bottle. So you need to be careful with that in the late afternoon. So if you're in the park, take the water bottle. Makes complete sense to take a water bottle. If you're at home, I would be giving her a cup with water in it because she can regulate it a little bit better and they don't tend to overfill with water. That could help. And then the last one is she's just taking a little bit longer 
to be dry at night and she might need, you know, a dry night, those nappies that are dry nights for a little bit longer. She's just not there yet. So I wouldn't let it worry you too much. I'd try and be consistent with what you're doing and consider her fluid over the day. And if she is dry after you take her to the toilet, I would continue doing that. Uh, it says here that she drinks constantly out of a water bottle. Yeah, so yeah. off go the water bottles. So we're going to go and buy her her princess cup or dinosaur cup. Or I am so mean, Tony. I've got to say, my daughter is almost seven, and when I read to her at night, I know she's fine, but she'll turn to me and go, "Mummy, I'm really thirsty." And I just say, "No." I don't even give her a water. I know this is you don't I'm, I don't even give her a sip of water because I am like, no, you're going to wet the bed so you're not having any water. I mean, I'm yeah. not. Don't I'm I, not, I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. She's, I'm not, you know, don't call docs on me. She's no, fine. She's perfectly fine. But I can I, vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've got to the point where I'm like, no, mm. nothing. No, I don't. At bedtime. Yeah. And I. Especially not out of a water bottle because yeah. she chugged the whole so thing. So I back. suspect that's all the problem is to start, um, just get rid of the bottles. Yeah. It's a really a common easier. thing from the use of water bottles. Yes. See, In the old days, advice. we used cups. It was so, you know, Better. amazing. <laughs> In the good old days. And that well, was only five years ago. <laughs> well, hopefully that helps, Tony. See if you can sw- switch out the water bottle and hopefully that will help with the nights. Um, we've got to move on to our next question, which is from Amanda. She has a five-month-old. Brilliant. Um I've read your book and followed the suggested rhythms according to age. My daughter is in her own room and has successfully been settling herself for every sleep for about a month. Oh, great. Her night sleeps have always been great from about 7 o'clock to 6, 6.30 with no wake-ups. Day sleeps are good too. With her sleep usually around 90 minutes, nap for 30 to 40 minutes, then a two-hour sleep and a shorter nap in the pram before the nighttime routine starts. Brilliant. But last week... Uh-huh. That? That's why she's writing. We noticed she's you're going, what? There's nothing wrong oh. with this. Um, <laughs> last night, we, last week, we noticed she was really fighting her late afternoon mm, sleep. nap. Mm. So we thought it was time to phase it out. Yeah. I think this is where it all fell apart. The first night she fell asleep while I was feeding her before reading her a book at yep. about six. She slept for 40 minutes, then woke, woke up, up and cried and struggled to be re- to resettle until quarter to nine. Mm. Yep. Friday was slightly better. I managed to keep her awake for the feed but wasn't able to read her book. She settled in her cot quickly but woke at 3 a.m., played for about 30 minutes before crying out. I got up and tried settling her but ended up feeding. She was sleepy when I put her down but played in her cot for another two (gasps) hours but did fall back to sleep eventually. She woke up at 6.45 the next day. Saturday and Sunday night were the same again and last night she woke at 1.30, played, then cried a lot. I fed her and then put her down and she played in a cot for another hour and a half and she cried out again at 3.30. I had to pick her up and cuddle her to calm her. She fell asleep as soon as I cuddled her. She woke again at 5 a.m. I fed her and she fell asleep in my arms. Then she woke at 6.45. Her day sleep since this change have also turned into 40-minute cat naps oh. all day long and she struggles to fall asleep for every sleep, although she shows signs of tiredness. I'm sure the problem is that she's overtired, but I'm unsure how, how to, fix to fix it. it. So you ride it slowly, it's undone. Now, in order, when you've got that four sleep patterns in the day, the, you can only phase the fourth sleep out if the third sleep, the afternoon lunchtime sleep, 
is sort of she's waking up between 4 and 4.30. So if she, maybe she was sleeping really well, but waking up at 3.30, she was getting overtired by the time we were putting her to bed at, say, 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night. So that's where it came from. So when you move to 3, they need to stay awake a little bit longer to push each of the sleeps down. So if she'd been awake for an hour and three quarters, oh, no, an hour and a half, we'd go to an hour and three quarters for her wakes awake time frames because it'll give 15 minutes extra on each of those and it will push the sleeps down and then it'll hit the right place so they're not overtired by the time you put them to bed. But the thing about this is I can see how that fourth sleep affected the way she went down at six or seven, but inadvertently something's happened overnight and I think that's a separate thing that's happened. So at about five to six months, they have an awareness at night where they wake up and they talk, but they fully wake themselves up. So it's almost like they've got to reset their clock again to go back to sleep. And I think that the two things have happened at once and she's become more and more overtired. So therefore your day sleeps have fallen apart. So At five months, I'd keep her awake for an hour and three quarters, which is probably what's suggested in the book. Um, I, at the moment, if she was overtired by an hour and a half, I'd put her to bed. So I'd get back into four or five little sleeps in the day to have her more rested in the day in order to hopefully get your nights back on place. So once your nights get back on place, I think you can then start extending your days. And to do that, you'll need to do some resettling. Um, So resettling at night. So she wakes up and she talks. Now, I wonder whether she's waking up because at the end of the day, she's too tired. She's not feeding properly. And she initially wakes up um, because of hunger. So when you you hear her tonight... As soon as you hear her, go in and feed her and put her back to bed and try and catch her in the sleepy phase instead of her being wide awake, talking, then she has a feed, then she realises you're there and then it's carrying on even further. So for the next two to three nights, um, I would get in there really quickly, give her her feed and get her back to sleep to see if she gets more sleep overnight. And I would just use a rule of about an hour and a half to an hour and three quarters if she's coping in the day. And I try and get more sleep cycles in the day so she's not overtired when she gets back to bed. Then when you've got that under control for a few days, then I'd try and extend her sleeps in the day with some self-settling. And you know, a gentle self-settling, like leaving her for a few minutes, going in and helping her go back to sleep, pat rock, small cuddle, back down again, a little, little bit longer, a little bit longer to get her back into the pattern of two big sleeps and a nap. I know that's very busy, it's, it's but it's sorted. a big, it's a big, um, it's sort of had such a big knock-on effect for you. You sort of got to take this in small little steps to undo it. Okay. Well, good luck, Amanda. And if you need good any luck. tweaks in the coming days, weeks. Yep. You just let us know. Um, The way to do that, if you're tuning in via podcast, the way to get in touch is to email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au or by joining us live every Friday at 11.30am Eastern Daylight Savings Time. (laughs) (laughs) And you can then join us on Facebook and pop your comment below there, or you can call us on 1-800-543-772. 
Um, so those are the ways you can get in touch. I do recommend, it, sometimes it's a lot of information to take in. And I know when Chris does a consult, everyone's there with their notepads. Yeah. So if you're getting advice and you haven't written it down, the best place to go is back to the podcast. On a we, It goes out on a Monday morning at 6am. So if you're watching us live and you want to go back to anything, head to us, subscribe to Feed, Play, Love, and you'll get the whole, um, every helpline. Every year. That comes out. <laughs> you can go back and listen to old ones. There's lots of, of advice in there. Um, this question comes from Lara. Yep. My 15-month-old is still having a night feed around 4 a.m. She will self-settle at night and naps sucking her thumb. But yeah. when she wakes around 4 a.m., she won't um, style, sleep without a feed. Sleep. I tried night weaning around Christmas when my husband was off work, but when I did settle her, she would wait 10 to 20 minutes later and this would go on for an hour or so. Then I just gave up and fed her as I didn't really want her day to have already started. She's currently having a breastfeed before bed and just at 4am. She will only have a very small amount of cow's milk from a sippy cup. Hopefully you can suggest a strategy that works. Mm. So normally a 15-month-old... We'd be on two milk feeds in the day and a bit of milk in a cup at lunchtime. So I wonder whether the 4am is the morning one. She's not getting enough in the day, so therefore she's waking up and she is hungry at 4am. Okay, so I think your settling technique is right, but I don't think she's getting enough in the day in terms of fluid to um, food ratio. Um, So I'm not sure how we're going to start this one, but at 4am in the morning, I would give her a few minutes of a feed, just enough to get her back to sleep so that when she woke up at 6, 6.30, she would have a good proper feed from you. And then you go through your day. So she'd have breakfast and then she's probably on one sleep in the day. She'd have lunch with lunch. We're doing a bit of cow's milk with it and then having a good feed by the end of the day. Now, it's the feed at the end of the day that's going to carry her through the night as well as the combination of the food and the fluid she has during the day. So if she's too tired because she's now moved on to one feed overnight, uh, sorry, one feed, one sleep in the day, then she may not be feeding well from you at the evening one and that's why she's waking early. So we need to get that feed into her really a good active sucking feed or in terms of meals it's about 200 to 240 to then think that four o'clock wasn't a feed okay so I think this is yeah you need to get an extra feed in to fill her up to turn it around because I think she's waking because she is hungry okay give that a go Lara see how it works yeah come back to us if it doesn't and then We'll have another go. Yeah. Chris will have another go. <laughs> yeah. We have time for one more question from Lauren. She has a three-year-old bedtime dramas. Our okay. three-year-old son hates bedtime. He's never been a good sleeper, still okay. wakes several times during the night, but our biggest drama is getting him to sleep bed. before nine. We've tried naps during the day, cutting naps altogether, earlier bedtime, later bedtime. Nothing seems to make it any easier. He's at the stage now where he gets upset about bedtime, even when I start to cook dinner. Oh, poor little fellow. So in this case, we needed just a little bit more information. One would be what time does he get up? Does he, uh, have you dropped the day sleep altogether or had had you go back to it? Um, If he's gone back to a day sleep, I would start reducing it to get rid of it. And I would change his point of view about his bedroom. 
So um, if he gets up at 6, 7 in the morning, I think it would be reasonable he's 3 now that he's going to bed around the 7.30-ish mark, if it'll take a little bit. Um, I think we need to start the wind down and for the bedroom to be a fun place. I think it's imploded because there's been difficulties with his sleep. So things like um, dinner, bath, the, the normal sort of stuff, dinner 5.30, bath 6, a little bit of quiet time at 6.30, downtime, floor puzzles are a really good one, um, quiet in the whole house. I think the floor puzzle, though, needs to be in his room so that we're doing something fun in his room before he goes to bed. So a nice little floor puzzle. Mum and Dad are in there helping him with the floor puzzle. Lights are on, blinds are open, so it's not indicating to him that he's going to sleep. Then once we've done our floor puzzle at, at about, till about 7, then um, a nice quiet story. Um, at that point, I'd start closing the room down, so blinds coming down, he's been to the toilet, cleaned his teeth, all those sorts of things. Um, blinds down, let's sit quietly, read our stories. Um, and then it depends what you do here. So this is where we needed a little bit more information. The one we like to do is, um, that works really well, is trying to give him something to think about as he's going to sleep. And it depends on whether he needs you to be there, but hopefully you're not laying in the bed with him. You could sit on a chair beside the bed. You could sit near the door, but we use, and I use a lot with this age group, bedtime explorers, which is... It's a meditation with Kindling Kids Radio. Um, you can find it on podcla- podcast or on the Kindling app. They're both free. Yeah. And they're mindfulness um, stories that have been created and read by Amy Taylor-Kabaz, who's a, a meditation coach. Yeah. She actually works with parents, mainly mothers, and then um, Kindling Kids Radio commissioned her to do this incredible series. There's yeah. now three there. The first one is more for listening during the daytime, the first one you'll see, but the um, next the, two. the next two series, there's one that is about um, little trips to different places, yep, like to go the moon or the ocean. And the next, the one after that is about animals. animals. But they are all, they're all meditations that are leading them into sleep, yeah. teaching them how to breathe and mm-hmm. engaging them in that yeah. way. So this is a really good one because at first you might need to sit by him. Everyone's quiet and we're seeing whether he can calm down and go off to sleep. Um The next thing that allows you to do in a week or two is to say to him, I need you to listen to your little story, but I will be back to kiss you. And you know how long it's going to be. They're usually about between 10 and 12 minutes long. So you're going to turn up at 11 minutes to give him a kiss and a cuddle. And then you're just going to say, okay, well, mummy's just going to have a shower. And then she comes back. This is a typical pattern that lots of parents use. One of the other things that's been working lately um, from some very clever parents out there But I can sort of see how it reassures him because he's still getting up overnight for reassurance is they get their baby monitor and they reverse it. So they put the camera in the parents' room near the parent they like, which is usually mum, near her head, and they give them the bit that the monitor part. And they say, when you wake up, you just look in the monitor and you'll see mummy just laying here. And so when the parents hear them, they talk back and they say, it's okay. We're just here. We're asleep. Put your head down. It's okay. And the kids have been putting their head down. Wow. So it's the reassurance, Clever, I think, of seeing them that's helping them. So, you know, there's a few things here that we could do. And one is to change his whole process around going to sleep at night. 
giving him a completely different routine that requires him laying down and being still so he can go to sleep. And then the second one is the reassurance. If he Technically, if he gets to your room, usually we just take him by the hand and we walk him back and we say, it's okay, give him a kiss, give him a cuddle, put him back in his bed again. It's highly frustrating, but incredibly effective at getting them to go back to their room. Okay. Well, see how those go for you, Lauren. As mm. always, you can come back to us if um, something doesn't work. We can try and Absolutely. tweak it a little bit. But yeah, Bedtime Explorers is definitely something that I've used a lot. Yeah. Even Amy has said that her son now asks for the meditation mm. app instead of his own mother. So <laughs> he likes hearing her on the app. Um, but that's all we have time for on Helpline and this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you're watching us via the Facebook Live, thank you so much for all your questions. If you're listening to us via the Feed, Play, Love podcast, you can email us your questions for the next episode. And that email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure. Next time on Feed, Play, Love, we're talking to Colette Smart, psychologist and author of They'll Be Okay, about how to keep our kids safe online. Sometimes it's about talking about sex early and often. The reason why it's important for us to start early in those conversations is Things don't become taboo in your home. If you start doing it, having these conversations at, you know, three, four, five, it's just what happens in your house. That's in the next episode of Feed, Play, Love. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This podcast is produced by Elise Cooper.